Well, you guys can be seated, and uh, while you find your seats, why don't you take your Bibles, love this, let's open our Bibles and go with me to the book of Psalms. We're actually in the book of Psalms right in the middle of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we want you to have a copy of it so you can get our, uh, the attention of our elders. They'd love to give you a copy of one, or uh, you can follow along with us on the Bible app. We are in Psalms. In, uh, actually, we're going to be at Psalm 96 this morning. Psalm 96. Today is Vision Sunday. And I, I don't know if you could tell, but I'm a little fired up today. And I didn't even have coffee. Y'all came a little bit early and uh, got your caffeine. So I'm hoping that you're excited. Maybe uh, when, when, when I get excited about Vision Sunday, some of you are kind of thinking like, that's cool. No idea what that means. Is anybody else kind of feeling in this moment like, like I don't know what in the world is Vision Sunday and, and why are we doing this? And uh, so if that's you, if you're kind of wondering about that, I thought I would give you some help here. I um, think that we could learn a lesson from one of my um, earliest childhood mentors. Maybe you've heard of this guy. His name is Mr. Miyagi. You ever heard of Mr. Miyagi? Okay, so, so in one of uh, the arguably the greatest movies in cinematic history, in this movie Karate Kid, it's about a boy, Danielson, who learns, obviously he learns karate, but he also learns some life lessons from his new uh, sensei, Mr. Miyagi, including the art and skill, which I know we all wish we had, of, of trimming and shaping a bonsai tree. And uh, so as you're, like, wrestling with, like, what in the world does Vision Sunday mean, uh, maybe this will help. Watch this. Close your eyes. All right, does anybody else want to finish the movie? Anybody else? Okay, so you're all invited over to my house afterwards because I know that this gets you fired up and excited. Here's the deal. What he's basically trying to tell him is get a picture in your mind, all right? Just think about the tree, nothing else. Get a picture in your mind. That's what we're doing here with Vision Sunday. So here we are at the beginning of a new ministry year. As we kick this off, what we're trying to do is look ahead and essentially get a picture in our minds of what we are pursuing as a church in this new ministry year, all right? So, so, so where, where, where are we going? What are, what are we doing? What's our focus? Let's get a really clear picture in our minds. But I would have to say uh, that uh, Mr. Miyagi is um, wrong about one thing, and you have to know, like, this just, like, feels wrong for me to be contradicting him in any way, but um, we really don't want this vision, this 
picture to be coming from inside of me, inside of you. We really want the genesis of this vision to be coming from this book, okay? So I want you to look at Psalm 96, and I think we're going to see it. Here's what I want you to be asking. As we start to read Psalm 96, what, 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 what do you see? What do you see? And can you envision this happening in our church? Okay, let's look at it. Psalm 96, starting in verse 1. Here's what he says. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. What, 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 what do you see happening here? Do you see, do you see worship? Anybody else see worship? I see that. Uh, this, we are not moving off of this, that we exist to glorify God. That's why we're here. We want to worship Christ. We want to lift his name high and tell of his praise, sing and celebrate our Savior. We're not moving off of that. But then, but then look at verse 3. Uh, so we're worshiping. We see that. Uh, but then verse 3 says, declare his glory among the nations. So we're supposed to be uh, declaring it, saying that God is glorious, but, but where do we do that? Where, where, where do we do that? Look, look at the text. Look at it. Verse 3, declare his glory. Come on, somebody say, among the nations. That's where we're taking it. Do you see this? So, so, so I see worship, but we also see mission. There's an expectation that as you and I encounter the glory of God that we are going to go tell others about this God that we worship. Because get this, vertical worship propels the horizontal advancement of this mission to get out and to get the gospel to the nations. So, so, so look up here, look up here. here. Here's where we're going. We're trying to get this picture in our mind. Get it? Okay. We want to be a worshiping and sending church. That's the vision. That we would gather together and lift high the name of Jesus and, and grow in our love for him, and then we send you out. I mean, we do this at the end of every Sunday, right? We say church isn't over. Let's go be the church. We want to go be bold witnesses for Christ. We're worshiping and sending church. Now, some of you are feeling a little gypped because you're like, man, that doesn't sound like anything new. I mean, we, we already do that. Actually, I think that's kind of a healthy thing, okay? We, we actually don't need the vision to be changing constantly. We, we don't need to be a completely changing direction every single year. This year we're going to do this, and now we're going to go over this direction. Psych, we're going over here. Not helpful, not what we're going for. Why? Why? Because we have clarity on why we're here. And so all we're doing is sharpening this vision and pursuing it with renewed passion and energy. So, so... Uh, last year, at this time, for Vision Sunday, we launched this initiative um, of telling 100 stories. Remember that? Uh, we, we, we wanted to tell this year, we want to tell 100 stories of lives that are transformed by his glory and mobilized for his mission. And, and why, why would we do that? Why, well, I think one of the reasons is because I think all of us want to be a part of a church where God is at work where God is changing people's lives. And, and, and we realize and recognize that lives in northern Virginia need to be transformed. Something's got to change, and we know the answer of what makes the difference. It's the glory of God. And so if God is working, and has God been working in our church this year? Has he been working in people's lives this year? Then if he is working, 
We are going to celebrate and tell the stories of lives that are being transformed by the glory of God and then mobilized for his mission. People that are worshiping and and wanting to be sent. And so, um, I'm just going to be honest, I'm going to confess to you uh, that as we launched this 100 Stories initiative, we um, didn't really know what we were doing. I mean, we kind of set out on this journey to become great storytellers because, honestly, I think we have some of the greatest stories that need to be told. Um, but we realized along the way that, that one of the most important things that we want to come out of this is not just telling 100 stories, but creating a culture of storytelling. Not, not, not just hitting a number, but that this would just become part of who we are and what we do and that we'd learn to do it well. And, and, and so we've learned some things on this journey, and, and, and we're reorganizing, getting after this. We're fired up and excited to keep going. We're, we, we're about halfway through that goal, and I think that it is worth pursuing. We are not done telling stories for two reasons. One, God's not done changing us. That as we gather together around the word of God and we pursue this together, we're experiencing his glory. He's making us more like Jesus and we're growing in our love for him. I still got some work to do on that one. And then I don't think that God is done using our church to take the gospel to the nations and to see lost people saved and others uh, brought to himself. God's going to do that. So... Uh, maybe maybe you would say um, it's kind of cool that you guys would want to tell a hundred stories, but um, what what does that mean for me now? I mean that's cool that the church wants to do that, but but what do I do about it? Well, that's why this year what we want to do is help you connect the dots and help you get involved in this pursuit. And I think the answer is right here in the text, okay? And so I'm just going to read all of Psalm 96, and this will help you understand what is your role. How do, how do I engage in this this year? Psalm 96, let's just read the whole thing. He says this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous works among all the peoples. Why? For great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people, they're just worthless idols. But the Lord, he made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness and tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. And he will judge the peoples with equity. So let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. And he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. I see a, I see a worshiping and sending church, don't you? Well, here's, here's a big idea. If you're taking notes, this may help you, okay? 
a worshiping and sending church is full of people who are worshiping Christ and living sin. The question is, are you? Are you doing that? Are you getting after that? See, here's the deal. If we're going to say and be able to say this genuinely, that we are a worshiping and sending church as a whole, then that means we need that to be true of you and your life. We need you to be pursuing this. What's my part to play in becoming a worshiping and sending church? How could my story be part of the 100 stories that we're telling of lives that are being changed? Here, this is what we're getting after, okay? There are two pursuits. Uh, This is our theme. This is at the heart of our church. If you don't remember anything, I'm going to make you remember this, okay? Please write this down. We want you to know this. This is what we're getting after. Love Christ. Live sent. That's it. That's your part to play. That's what we are pursuing, all right? That you would love Christ and that you would live sent. These are the two things. We're going to break it down uh, real quick. And so uh, let's just break these, these down individually. Here's the most important thing, the most important thing that you need to do. First thing, love Christ. That's it. Love Christ. I know that most of you are like, um, yeah, I mean, I do. I love Jesus. I I. I uh, believe in him. I, I, I worship Jesus. Well, well, remember, the expectation comes from the greatest commandment uh, in God's word. You, you know this, right? Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Uh, we've, we know this. I hope that this uh, drives us. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. So I I realize that some of you have been walking with Jesus for a really long time, and you've grown a lot. And and maybe others of you, it's kind of new to this thing, but I think that all of us can admit that that I I need to grow in this. And no matter how much I love Jesus, it doesn't scratch the surface of what he's worthy and what he deserves. And I don't always love Christ with all of my heart and soul mind and strength. So um, I think Psalm 96 actually answers for us why we should be worshiping, why I should love Christ and sing his praise and tell others about him. We've already read it. It's right there in verse 4. Here's the reason. Verse 4, it's because God is great. He's greatly to be praised, and even even more than that, he is to be feared, it says, above all gods. What it's saying is, our God is incomparable. He is matchless. He is unequal. There is nobody like our God. The problem is, I don't always believe that. And sometimes, we pursue and run after other little g gods, right? Uh, Things that... Uh, we think are more important, that are more worthy of our time and affection, things that we would have to say, I, I want that more than Jesus, if I have to be honest, if I evaluate my life. But here's what he says about all those gods, verse 5. All the gods of the people are worthless idols. Um, so we don't really understand. Uh, this is kind of a foreign culture to us about, you know, gods that you would worship. But when I was in 
uh, Jordan and Israel this year, um, I saw this all over the place, this ancient cultic worship of the gods. And so I thought I'd bring some pictures and just show you a little bit. Uh, This is what I experienced. Here's one. Uh, The very first place we went to when we were in Amman, Jordan, uh, was this temple. It's actually the Temple of Hercules, all right? It's dedicated to the worship of the gods. In fact, I've got another one that I'll show you just for scale. There is uh, the hand of this statue laying there on the ground. This You can tell it's kind of a big deal, right? This is one of the gods that they would have worshipped together. And not only was it there in Amman, Jordan, but I also saw it in Petra. Uh, and Petra is the place where I got my uh, Indiana Jones vibe on. It was awesome. It was beautiful. We're walking through all of these rock formations. And, and Petra uh, was the capital city of the Nabataean kingdom, which was on a major trade route. And so these people really wanted to welcome all of these other people from other kingdoms that were passing through and, and buying their stuff. And so one, what, what better way to welcome them than to... Uh, carve depictions of their gods from these various kingdoms and cultures right in the stone along the, whole, uh, along the highway. So it's kind of hard to see, but right down here in the bottom, there, there's a place where they would carve out uh, a deity from another culture. And these were all over the place in Petra as the people are walking through. It was just the display of how many various gods that they had. And, and just so you, um, this, this is actually... I've got another pic. This is kind of fun. This is me in a sacrificial altar on a high place in Petra. And I realize that's kind of sacrilegious, but it's false worship, so whatever. Um, And just so you know that this is not just in uh, Jordan. This is actually happening in Israel. This is happening in God's people. It's actually pretty um, sad to see all the different places where God's people set up idols. In fact, um, I, I don't have a picture of this, but standing in Jerusalem, it's, it's on the Mount of Olives. They set up worship of false gods there. And this uh, picture is taken from uh, Gezer. Um, do we have that there? This, this, this um, is a city in between Jerusalem and Joppa. And uh, you can see right here in the nation of Israel, they set up sacred stones in a temple. And there's a sacrificial altar uh, to worship foreign Gods. Now, why did they do that? Um, All of these various gods that they would worship, they were trying to appease them. They're they're trying to uh, seek their blessing for things like rain and crops and uh, fertility and war, all these kind of things. Basically, they're, they're worshiping these gods, hoping that these gods will then deliver as promised, or at least is what they're being told, and make their lives better. That if we worship these gods, it's going to be awesome for us. But here's what the text says, verse 5 says, all of these gods are worthless idols. That's all they are. It's just wood, stone, metal, has no power to do anything. But not our God, the text says. But the Lord, but Yahweh, our God, what did he do? He made the heavens. You can literally see the difference. Just look around at everything. God made all of this. So I realize that that, that, um, most of us are not tempted to bow down to a little stone figurine and 
worship it, but that does not mean that we are not tempted to worship other gods, right? Ours just look a little different. The things that we pursue that we think will bring happiness and blessing, money, status, popularity and approval, sex, comfort, entertainment, leisure, family, work. See, some of these things can even be good. But if anything that we love and pursue, we do that more than Christ, it's an idol. It's a false god. And so, like, can I ask you, if you would just be honest, what, what would your calendar say that you value and pursue most? If we looked at your, your schedule and your routines, what, are, what would that tell us that's really valuable to you? Or, or your bank account, your, if we got a list of all your purchases, we didn't, but if we did, um, what would that tell us about the things that you really want? Or uh, your social media, what, what you post or what catches your attention. Or your Netflix queue, what you find funny and what you think is entertaining. And the closest relationships, the people that you're really trying to hang out with and why. What, see, listen, we pursue some of these things just like the ancient idols thinking that that, that these will ultimately make us happy, that these things are going to make our lives so much better, and they're going to bring satisfaction. And I'm just telling you, we need to recognize when we have made something another God and realize that that idol, that God, is worthless. It does not have power to add value and meaning to your life. And so verse 5 is actually an important comparison for us. All the gods, those gods that you're worshiping, worthless. But our God, he made the heavens. Think about that. See, 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 the more we learn about our universe, the stars and the galaxies and, and atoms and molecules, the more we just stand in awe and, and appreciate the power of our God who could make all of this, who could create everything. And the fact that he made it means he knows to give it purpose. He gives it meaning. And then the psalmist says, verse 6, that that this God who made all of this, uh, in his presence there is splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. When you realize how great and awesome our God is, the only appropriate response is worship. It's to do what verse 4 says. He is to be feared above all gods. That fear is, is not like a, a freak out, afraid fear. It's, it's a, a, a sense of awe and a recognition and a reverence for his holiness, that he is transcendent, that we would worship him. Verse 7 and 8 says, ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. That word ascribe just means that you're acknowledging and you're giving him what he deserves. He deserves the glory. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Do you, do you tremble before the Lord? 
The more we behold the glory of God in the pages of Scripture and sense his presence as we gather to worship him, there ought to be a sense of awe that pulsates through your heart and body. Like, wow, our God is awesome. And that we would, we would fear him. But the reason that we can fear rightly without the terror of his wrath because of what verse 2 told us. Don't forget this. As you're singing, as you bring your mind to the greatness and the holiness and the wonder of our God, verse 2 says, tell of his salvation. Our God is our Savior. And Jesus made it possible for us to have peace with this holy, awesome God because he paid for our sins on the cross. That's why we love him. That's why we love him. See, we've got to get this right. We've got to get vertical and stay vertical. We can't move off of this. Nothing else vying for our attention and our love. We're pursuing him more than anything. That's what it means to love Christ. Are you doing that? Are you pursuing that? Then watch what happens. Here, here's what happens. When you get vertical, you get going. Because the vertical worship of our God propels the horizontal advancement of his mission. And so when we love Christ, it leads to the second thing. Note this. It leads to live Sent. Live sent. We already looked at this verse 3. He says, declare his glory among the nations. Go tell the world. The nations need to know that our God is great, that our God is glorious, that, that he alone is worthy of our worship. They need to know that anything else is just worthless. But listen, 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 listen. They don't know that yet. They don't know that yet. And John Piper has said it this way. Missions exists because worship doesn't. There are people who still do not worship Jesus and who are enslaved to their sin. And there are people that are running after all of these other gods trying to find purpose and meaning in life and they don't know that Jesus is better. They don't know that he is their creator and that they were made to worship him. They don't know that. So go declare to the nations. Verse 10 tells us, uh, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. And he will judge the peoples with equity. Go tell the world that Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king. And the king is coming, which we get excited about. We're so excited that Jesus, our king, would be coming back. But you got to know that that also means that judgment is coming. In fact, verse 13 tells us that he will judge. He comes to judge the earth and he will judge the world in righteousness. Which means, we've heard this said, that uh, the king is coming. And that's only good news if you're on the king's side. See, there are people who do not bow their knee and submit to the reign of God. And they don't know 
that their only hope for salvation, their only hope for life, is in Jesus Christ. So I love what what Paul tells us in Romans 10. I want you to see this. Here's what Paul says. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are, come on, say it. So who's going to go? Who is going to live sent? Does it bother you that the person in the cubicle next to yours is still living in sin, lost and ruining their life? Does that bother you? Does it Does it bother you that that other woman on your team is miserable as she realizes weekend after weekend that the things she's pursuing that she thought would make her happy are just leaving her empty? Does that bother you? And does it bother you that the guy who parks next to you is going to face judgment for all eternity if he doesn't trust Christ? And that there are people that live in places around the world that have never heard the name of Jesus. So here's your part. Here's what Jesus would say to you. I want you to see this, John chapter 20. Uh, We've looked at this text before. This is so crucial for us to get. This is the words of Jesus, mind you. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending who? You are sent to make disciples of all nations. Are you going to live that way? Can I just tell you, this just gives you purpose for your life. Do you get that? In fact, I heard recently, Matt Chandler said it this way, if you're doing this Christian life and you're bored, you're doing it wrong. Okay, like you, you just don't get it yet. And we want you to experience the excitement of real purpose that goes way beyond just your own self and your own little world and your immediate happiness. You were made for more than that. And we want you to lift your eyes and see the glory of Christ. Get vertical and then get going to take this message to the world around you. We are here to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That's the mission of our church. Hope you know that. But that also means that's the mission for you. And so I've been thinking about what that means in Fairfax. This is partly partly why we're doing Vision Sunday. I've been like imagining like how, how could God use our church to advance his kingdom. I mean, we right here in Fairfax are strategically uh, positioned uh, right outside of our nation's capital with all of our diversity and all of our influence. And we, we, we kind of realize that this is an important community. And, and yet, one of the problems that we have with here, it's transient. Anybody feel that? Like the minute that you start to build a relationship with somebody, we're, we're just constantly seeing people coming in and then going out. And And if we're honest, that hurts. It's hard to get to know people and welcome them into your life and and, and start to build a friendship only to see them go. And I'm just being real with you right now. Uh, In my flesh, I'm kind of sick of it. 
I'm tired of people coming up to me that I love, and they're like, Pastor Jeff. I'm like, I don't even want to hear it. Don't even tell me. Because I know what's coming next, right? It's time, time for us to go. Time for us to leave. The military is sending us out, and our job's taking us away. Anybody had to see anybody go this last year? Anybody? You seen, seen somebody go? Yeah? Okay, so here's the deal. We could, get, we could get bitter about this. We could let this frustrate us, and we could build walls so that we try to protect ourselves, or, or we could see this as an opportunity for the gospel. What if our church really became a sending church right here in Northern Virginia? Like, frankly, God's going to send you out whether I really want him to or not. And so what if, we, what if we purposely embraced that reality and saw it as a strategy for taking the gospel to the nations? You know what that means? That means we have to get after this and pursue this, that we would love Christ and that we would live sent here right now where God has us. And then when and if God does send, send you out somewhere else, you just take what you've been doing here and carry that same pursuit there. If we learn to live sent here and now. And so I've just been imagining, I can just like picture this in my head in just a few years, being able to uh, show a map of the world and highlight all the places where God has sent people out from our church. And then we get to tell the stories and celebrate how God has been advancing the mission and he gets all the glory. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me, and it gets me fired up about being a part of this church. I don't know about you. But let's get after it. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What, what, what do, uh, to love Christ and live sent this year? Let's get really, really, really practical. So um, have, have you ever heard me say uh, that we want you to get plugged into small groups? You ever heard me say that? Uh, so we, we really want you to get plugged into small groups, okay? This is uh, where we really get after making disciples. We are not a church that has small groups. We're a church of small groups. This is what we do. We are surrounded by believers who care for one another and love one another and serve one another, pray for one another, listen to one another, bear one another's burdens, encourage them, hold each other accountable. We want you to grow. This is so important. We want you to be a part of this, and so we've saved a seat for you. We want you to connect, okay? And here's one of the things we're doing in our small groups this year. Uh, we have actually developed a, um, a tool. We have developed a, a spiritual disciplines tool that all of our small groups are going to uh, be using this year starting this week, okay? Like, we're getting after it, and uh, if, if, you, if you miss this week, it's okay. It's, it's coming. It's going to stick around, uh, but we're going to start using this tool, and it's very, very simple and very, very practical ways for you to take next steps wherever you're at in this. Maybe you realize that I don't love Christ the way I need to, and I want to grow in that, and maybe I'm not living sent, and wherever you're at on that scale, uh, we want to help you take a next step in loving Christ and living sent. We want to help you uh, kind of set goals in one of these areas, like reading your Bible, and praying, and serving, and giving, and uh, discipling someone, sharing your faith, serving your community, and supporting missions. I'm telling you, we're getting really practical in all of this. And, and, and I just want you, just for a minute, just, just, just imagine. Imagine if this is the year where you finally 
get into a groove of starting to really read your Bible every day. Imagine if, if this is the year where you, you plug into a ministry and really start using your gifts and serving and making an impact in other people's lives. Imagine if you go from just kind of giving every once in a while when you think you can to, to really budgeting appropriately and investing in the kingdom, giving generously. Imagine if this is the year where you build a friendship with somebody and you dive deep into their life and you help, uh, help them overcome sin and really grow in their relationship with Jesus. Maybe this is the year that God is going to use you to lead a lost sinner to Christ. Or imagine if this is the year when you finally go overseas on a missions trip. Spoiler alert, we're, um, one of our goals is that we would get a team on the mission field in 2019. We're fired up about this, okay? We want you to love Christ and live sent. We're really doing this. There's, there's kind of an emphasis, I hope you feel this, it's an emphasis this year on maturity as disciples. Every single one of us pursuing this so that we really can say and become a worshiping ascending church. And so we're going to do a lot of things to remind you of this pursuit. We want this vision to just drip, 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 drip till you get it, till you, till you, can't, remember, you can't forget it. You're going to remember it. You know it. You're living it out. And so uh, we're going to be preaching on this over the next eight weeks. Uh, we're getting after it in our small groups. You're going to hear us starting to tell stories and continuing that about how God is at work in us. We're just trying to give you reminders. In fact, we came up with a really cool uh, reminder. Some of you have saw my wristband here. You're like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I want one. Well, today's your lucky day. Um, as soon as service this is over. Uh, we uh, have one of these here. We want you to take it for everybody. It's free, okay? Wear it. Let it remind you. Or wear it. Maybe you don't wear it. Put it on your keychain. Put it on a travel mug, on your coffee tumbler, wherever. Let it be a constant reminder to you to love Christ and live sent. And then as we end every uh, service on Sundays, we're doing it with a, a, a new commissioning. I hope that you sense that at the end. Church isn't over. And we want you to go love Christ and live sin. I am really excited to be a part of this church. I love being a part of what God is doing here. And I can't wait to see what he does in us and through us as we pursue him and get after the mission that he's called us to. Y'all ready for this? Father, I pray that you would get the glory as we pursue you. You're the only king forever, and you're the only king that we want to live for. So I pray that as we love you, we learn to grow in our hearts that desire you more than anything. You would teach us that all the other idols, they're worthless. It's nothing, nothing compared to you. And Lord, that you would burden our hearts with those that don't already know. They don't know that you are better. They don't know that you are glorious. Would you help them to see that you love them? Help us to get after this for your glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.